Welcome back to The Blackout. We're coming to you, as always, from Belly Up Sports, and it's time for a Week 10 Pick'em Pod. He, of course, is Alan Denton. You can find him on Twitter at AD on the Blackout. I am Thomas Black, and you can find me on Twitter at TB on the Blackout. And Alan, we are coming to everyone just moments after what we have seen go down with your Tennessee Volunteers being ranked number one in the country by the College Football Playoff Committee. How in the world it- does it feel? It finally feels like 98 again. Oh my God. Finally. (laughs) Everything is right with the world once again. You know, just like we were talking before, this is just a season for the ages and I'm just riding it and enjoying it. I can't give you any other advice than to do exactly what you are because, man, it can be gone in a flash. We were just talking about kind of the makeup of this Tennessee team and what they could potentially be losing after this season. Of course, you don't want to fast forward beyond the next month or so just to see what goes down. But, you know, things can change quickly. So it's really interesting to see how quickly Tennessee has risen under the Josh Heupel era. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go as we head into Week 10 because, man, they've got a big game on the table as we head into week 10. Yeah, no kidding. Just <laughs> It's one of those things where it's set up where even if they do keep this one just really close, that they're still well within reason to get a college football playoff. And I mentioned, I guess it was last week, that even the thought that college football playoff would be in my periphery as a Vols fan this year, I would have laughed in your face. But it's all a very distinct possibility now, which is just freaking wild. A lot of options are certainly on the table, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes down this weekend and in the final month of the season, and especially as we work towards some conference championship matchups and see who could just be involved. Alan, before we go any further into that conversation, let's go ahead and dive into this past week's set of picks. Over on CBSSports.com, you went 5-5 five and five against the spread. Your wins were Notre Dame plus 2.5, UCF plus 1.5, Tennessee minus 12.5, Ole Miss minus two and a half, and Michigan minus 21 and a half as an ATS lock. Oh, so very close on that one. Your losses were Ohio State minus 15 and a half, Oklahoma State plus half a point, Nebraska plus seven and a half, South Carolina minus four and a half, and Stanford plus 16 and a half as an ATS lock. Alan, how are you feeling after week nine? I'm feeling uh, perfectly average at five and five, right? Went one and one in my locks. That Michigan game was a lot sloppier than I thought it would be in many, many ways. Michigan was not overly impressive. It's one of those games that I thought that they would want to make a statement against an arch rival. And instead, they just got assaulted. And um, that's what, yeah, I mean, geez, Louise. But they still covered, even though it was incredibly ugly. But, you know, 29 to 7 is still 22 points. It's amazing how good Vegas is at doing this, though. It's really remarkable. Totally whiffed on the Stanford game. And looking back at that one, that was all about Zach Chabernet for UCLA. They outrushed Stanford 324 to 145. And that's really all you need to know about the game. 
right? And they ended up beating them by 25, covering that 16.5-point spread. And then at one point, I thought I was going to nail that Ohio State game because in a crazy fashion, had actually covered that 15.5-point spread. But then Penn State came back and got a backdoor cover kind of at the last second. But in all honesty, that ended up playing out much closer to the true nature of that game because that was a really close game for all except for about eight minutes when Penn State totally imploded on themselves. I 100% agree and I would put it this way this is what I was thinking watching that game on Saturday that not only did Penn State backdoor cover but they backdoor covered Ohio State's backdoor cover right? Yes. (laughs) That's what happened in this game because it was very close all throughout. There was no separation from Ohio State. Then all of a sudden there was a bunch of separation from Ohio State. And then rightfully so for everybody that was on Penn State plus the points, they got the backdoor cover on the backdoor cover to uh, justify what had gone on on the previous 60 minutes of the game for Penn State getting the cover in the long run. That's exactly right. Like what happened ended up being justice and true to the actual nature of the game. 100%. Alan, you already mentioned it. You went one and one in your ATS locks in week nine. You are now 10 and eight on the season with those locks. That's hitting at over 55%. You are 41 and 48 overall. That puts you in a tie for 17th, hitting at a little over 46% of your overall ATS picks. And you are nine games off the lead. So, As we head into the final five weeks of the season, Alan, how are you feeling stacking up? Still not quite double digits back, but a lot of work to do to be able to climb your way up the leaderboard. And just looking at it, I feel okay, but I've been just average against the spread. This is my first year doing it, and I've been perfectly average, whereas you've excelled, right? You're sitting up there at five, had another big week where I think you were top of the leaderboard. You've been far above average, where I've just been pretty meh. Hey, it's okay. You've been kind of average overall in the picks, but you've been above average amongst the two of us in your ATS locks. So you've done well there. I happen to have done better overall against the spread, but I appreciate it, sir. I did have a great week against the spread. I went seven and three. I was the only person to go seven and three this week. So it gives me my second weekly win against the spread. My wins were Kansas State minus half a point, Illinois minus seven and a half, UCF plus one and a half, Missouri plus four and a half as an ATS lock, Ole Miss minus two and a half, UCLA minus 16 and a half, Michigan minus 21 and a half. The losses were Ohio State minus 15 and a half, Syracuse minus two and a half, and Kentucky plus 12 and a half as an ATS lock. Now we'll start there, okay? The Kentucky pick was a complete disaster. Your Tennessee Volunteers absolutely destroyed them. I do think in a lot of ways, Kentucky played better defensively against Tennessee than they did a year ago, kind of like I thought they would. They tackled a whole lot better, but there were a couple of big coverage busts that really allowed Tennessee to get out and ahead in this game, and the offense did absolutely nothing. Two weeks after I said they played their absolute best game of the season and had two weeks to prepare, I thought they were going to come out and perform pretty well, and... This Tennessee defense, like we talked about with the run defense, really slowed down Chris Rodriguez, and the passing game for Kentucky was just abysmal. There was no attack downfield. There was no stress on Tennessee to do anything downfield, and they just compressed that defense, and 
swallowed up anything that Kentucky tried in the passing game. So there was absolutely no chance. And that one, credit to your boys. What a win for the Tennessee Volunteers. And then on the winning side, I did have Illinois minus seven and a half. This is one that I like the possibilities of Illinois' defense to get some stops against Nebraska. I like the running tack against this bad Nebraska defense. That was a clear winner for me, though the injury to Nebraska's Casey Thompson could mar this one a little bit, depending on how you want to look at it. It was a pretty close game when he went down. Illinois got away with the win. I tend to think that would have happened regardless, but Casey Thompson's injury is something to definitely take note of. I don't know that we're going to see Nebraska and any more pick'em slates this weekend, but definitely something to keep an eye on as the season goes along. Alan, I went one and one in my ATS locks, breaking a bad streak for me. I'm now seven and 11 on the season in those locks, hitting at just under 39% on the season. I am 47 and 42, though, overall ATS. That hits at a little over 52.5%. Like you said, I'm in fifth place. I'm only three games back. That's what was big for me this past week. With the seven wins on the week, I gained one or two. And in some cases, three games on some of the top competitors up in the top 10. So it was a huge week for me. And I feel really good about where I'm at heading into the stretch run of the season. I mean, it's one of those big swing weeks for you where you're solidifying yourself for, you know, top five, top three, top finish. I hope that is the case. We will see as we go. Alan, now with the two and two week in ATS locks, we have combined to bring our listeners a set of picks that would land them at 17 and 17 if they took every single one of the ATS locks that we've given on the show. Of course, that's 50%. And the baseline that we're giving people with 50% would land people right now in eighth place all by themselves. Think about that. That means we only have seven people in our contest that are above 50% on the season. So we're giving you advice that can land you up in the top 10. I still think that's pretty solid, though. We're going to see if we can get that thing back above 50% as we go deeper into the season. And our leader, Alex, just keeps on impressing. He is 50 and 39 on the season, hitting at over 56% of his picks against the spread. So, Alan, he is setting the pace, and it's a lot of work left for the rest of us as we try to catch up. Dude has been just absolutely on fire this year. I mean, he's fleecing Vegas right now. And if you could do that, then uh, you're having one heck of a season. One heck of a season indeed. Over on ESPN.com, it was a good week for both of us. Alan, in week nine on the confidence slate, you went eight and two, picking up 45 points. Your wins were UCLA at a 10, Ohio State at a nine, Tennessee at an eight, Jackson State at a six, Illinois at a five, Ole Miss at a four, UCF at a two, and Notre Dame at a one. The losses were South Carolina at a seven as a confidence value pick and Oklahoma State at a three as a confidence value pick. On the season, you're now 61 and 28. You've got 351 points. You're sitting in the 94th percentile, and you're in a tie for 10th, just 12 points off the lead. So, Alan, how are you feeling on your week nine slate? Listen, in that regard, on confidence side, feeling really good. That's my sweet spot. It just so happened that I went eight and two, and the two losses were my two value picks. That is an absolute rarity. I would have never, ever, ever expected Oklahoma State to totally no-show. I mean, they might as well not have even boarded a plane to Manhattan, Kansas, because they just got whipped by Will Howard and the Wildcats. It was purple power all the way. That was just an awful, awful, awful pick. Um, I had them, I think, at a three, 
And that's one of those things where you look back and you're like, what was I thinking? But the majority of people were with me on that one. Nailed the Ole Miss game, bumped it up a little bit. That's a team that I don't think is in the upper echelon, like the top four in the SEC, probably. I think LSU is probably better than them and showed that by beating them. But, you know, they're better than A&M. So I felt confident with that. You know, I had them at a four and they covered by half a point. (laughs) So they were two and a half point road favorites. This game ended up being a little closer than in three points than it actually really felt Mm -hmm. in some ways. Devin A. Chain got a score with a minute left to where they almost backdoor covered, but I was happy to get that Ole Miss at two and a half, but didn't look great doing it, but was clearly the better side. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, they led by 10 points throughout a lot of that second half. I had them at a five on my confidence board as well. This is something I identified in the game that we'd seen Texas A&M kind of struggle against the run. And Ole Miss, everybody thinks about Lane Kiffin's offense as pass happy and throwing the ball all over the field, but this is a run-heavy offense. It's one of the best running attacks in the country. I figured they were going to have a really good game offensively in the ground game. That happened. It just took some time for them to start pulling away and gaining some separation, but that was a great pick on your side. It helped me as well. So, Alan, my confidence slate over on ESPN, I had a great week there as well, maybe even a little bit better than my ATS slate over on CBS Sports. I went 8-2 and two of my picks, and I had 52 points. This was another weekly win for me. So I was the top spot in the ATS pick'em. I was the top spot in the confidence pick'em. I needed it badly to climb up the standings, but I had, as my wins, UCLA at a 10, Ohio State at a 9, Illinois at an 8, Jackson State at a 7, Tennessee at a 6, Ole Miss at a 5, UCF at a 4, and Kansas State at a 3. Allen, my losses, this is interesting on my side as well, South Carolina at a 2 is a confidence value pick, Syracuse as a 1 as a confidence value pick. So, I'm going to start there. I was in the exact same boat as you. I took losses on both of my confidence value picks, but in my mind, those are both hits. Because I told you on the podcast, everybody who's listening to this, I lowered those teams out of precaution of taking losses in those games, thinking that they were eligible for upsets. Both of them hit, but to me, that was a perfect thing. Because I looked back at some of the picks and had both these teams won, I would have been amongst a number of people that would have had perfect scores on the board with 55 points. The thing that hit for me was I lowered these teams in value and that was the perfect spot to be because taking losses in both of these, I was the only person over 50 points on the pick and board. So this benefited me huge. I had everything valued at the right spot. It allowed me to take a couple of losses and gain a big edge on people who had South Carolina at some mid-value picks, Syracuse at some threes and fours, things like that. So I picked up a lot of points just by losing the right matchups in the right spots. And then when you look at the South Carolina confidence value pick, when I lowered them in value down to a two, I also had Missouri taking four and a half points in an ATS lock over on the ATS pick Of course, that was a hit as well. They didn't even need the points winning outright, but those lined up exactly how I wanted them to. On the winning side that I had in the confidence slate, I also took UCF at a four-point value. This was a big one where you and I, for back-to-back weeks, had been on Cincinnati's opponents. Of course, we lost one with SMU, but then we won one this week with UCF. They even did it with a backup quarterback after John Rice Plumley went down with an injury. And of course, if you took UCF to win, of course, that would lead you to 
a UCF plus one and a half points on the ATS side. That was a hit as well. So a lot of these things lined up if you were in the right line of thinking. And Alan, another one that I had some value on was Jackson State at a seven. This is one that's hard to identify. You know, when you're looking at these FCS schools that you just don't get your eyes on a whole lot, of course, you hear some things about Jackson State with Deion Sanders being the head coach. It's just... I felt that they were a pretty safe bet because of how good they are offensively, a pretty good defense as well. I thought it was worth taking a shot on them, putting them up high in value at a seven on my board. That enabled me to lower Tennessee a little bit. In essence, I was way wrong about Tennessee, but at the same time, it was a precautionary thing for me, taking a little bit of a risk on more of an unknown with Jackson State, but still where I felt it was still a kind of safe spot to put them up on my board up in the upper half. Yeah, and just looking at the line that came out on Friday and just kind of measuring where those programs were, you did get a feeling that Jackson State wasn't just the more high-profile team, but was legitimately the better program and team. And that proved to be true. I think I had that one maybe at a six, something Mm -hmm. along those lines. Yeah. Do you remember what that line was at? I never actually even looked at it. I went simply off of like a gut feel and kind of statistical look and season outlook for what they did in performances past. Yeah, well, I think it was something like 17 or 18. You know, okay. like it was it was decently high, but it wasn't one of those things where it was like a 30-point line or anything <laughs> like that. Jackson State was a better team. And I found some of that stuff first thing Saturday morning before finalizing where that one was going to be. Sure. So they were impressive. Well, wise on your part to actually look it up. I'd kind of just ignored that side of it. We talked about it on the podcast last week. I kind of wish that I had, but it didn't make much of a difference. I felt good enough without even looking at a spread to feel good about Jackson State. So I think it was worth it to me. Maybe I would have even pushed it up a little bit higher had I known they were an 18-point favorite or whatever it ended up being. So, you know, good on you for looking it up. That's some homework that, you know, we kind of advised on the podcast last week. I just didn't even do it myself. So I felt good enough without even looking at the spread. Yeah, I didn't feel like Jackson State was going to lose this game. I just wasn't exactly sure where I wanted to put them. And quite frankly, if I hadn't have come on the podcast and said I was going to have South Carolina at a seven, and I didn't want to amend that, Mm -hmm. I would have actually pushed both Jackson State and Tennessee higher than them, and I would have had South Carolina at a five. But I wasn't going to amend it after coming on here and doing it, and I paid for that because (laughs) they totally laid an egg, and Shane Beamer looked like an idiot, and the old Drinkowitz just whooped him. He's now, I think, 4-0. or 3-0 against South Carolina in his tenure at Missouri, and so that's something I've got to lick my wounds over. Hey, we take some L's on some of the big plays we go after. We just got to hope that we hit enough of them that in the long run it pays off. But you and I are both in a pretty good spot in the overall standings. I'm now 16-29 in my picks. I have 350 points. I'm sitting at the 93.7 mark percentile-wise. I'm in a tie for 12th, just one point behind you, Alan. I'm 13 points off the lead. So after a huge week where I gained four and five points on a lot of our leaders. I gained 12 points on some of the people inside the top 10. It was a really huge week for me, both ATS 
and in the confidence pick them. Something I hope to ride high in as we head into week 10. But Alan, I'm kind of riding one of those waves, especially on the confidence side, that can really carry you to the top of the leaderboard really quick. I've had three of my last four weeks where I've landed in the top 10 in the weekly scores, including an outright win this week. So I've really been in a good spot over the last four weeks. And if I can stretch that into a five or six week stretch, I really could easily be right up there inside maybe the top five or so here in a couple of weeks. I'd say the same for you if you can stack a couple of really good weeks here over the next two weeks or so. Absolutely. You're on a NBA jam on fire type thing. So just keep riding that heater. I love it. Alan, our leader that we're all chasing down is Tim. He is 60 and 29 in his picks. He has 363 points on the season. He's sitting at 98.5 in the percentile rank. And right now he has a two point lead over second place. That is going against what was a seven point lead just a week ago. So we talk about it all the time. These things can change drastically, but to see a seven point lead drag down to two point lead really is a sizable jump from one week to the next, even if Tim is still locked in first place. That lead just lost an awful lot of cushion as we head into double digits in weeks coming up this week. Oh, yeah. Kudos to him. Leads getting a little smaller, and we were both happy to see some of that because we benefited from gaining some points. 100% we were. Alan, if you're ready for it, let's jump on over to some picks with some ATS locks and confidence value picks. Let's do it. All right, because of my hot week, I did, in fact, have a little bit stronger week than Alan did over against the spread and on the confidence side, at least in our total scores. So I'm going to take the lead with the picks this week. And Alan, I'm looking at with my first ATS lock on CBS Sports, the Clemson Tigers at the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, we have talked about this Notre Dame team improving quite a lot. They had that streak continue this past week with a win against Syracuse. They have now won five of six after starting the season 0-2. And Alan, one of the things I'd like to point to is their rushing attack that has improved an awful lot. Because early in the season, in a loss against Ohio State, they only ran the ball for 2.5 yards a carry, less than 100 yards. Against Marshall, only 3.5 yards a carry on 130 yards rushing. And a win against Cal, they had 3.6 yards a carry on under 150 yards rushing. And against Stanford, in another loss, they only ran the ball for 4.4 yards a carry on 150 yards rushing. But it's improved a lot since then. You talk about the win against North Carolina, nearly 300 yards rushing, 5.6 yards a carry. The win against a BYU team that's really been struggling recently, 234 yards, 5.2 yards a carry. The win against UNLV, 223 yards rushing, 4.7 yards a carry, and a modest 4.4 yards a carry against Syracuse, but 246 yards on the ground, led by Audric Estime. Allen, it's been a big improvement, but one of the things I'll highlight is this game against Syracuse this past weekend, the broadcasters could not stop highlighting that Syracuse was running a bunch of backups on the defensive line, guys that were like, 250 pounds at defensive tackle. So a very undersized defensive line going up against an improving yet not great Notre Dame offensive attack really was not a good recipe. Notre Dame also benefited from a blocked punt and a pick six early in that game. Alan, I think this game really could have been close, but they did benefit from the advantage along the lines of scrimmage and getting some big plays early in this game. 
So you flip it over to what Clemson carries into this game with size and talent on the defensive line and guys like Tyler Davis and Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy. Alan, I don't think this trend can continue this week. So when the Clemson Tigers head on the road to Notre Dame, I think there is a high chance that they can hold Notre Dame to 24 points or less. In fact, Notre Dame has already been held to 28 points or less five times this season. So if the Clemson Tigers come in and have a good defensive performance against Notre Dame, like I think they very well can, can they put a lot of pressure on Drew Pine and Michael Mayer to have a successful passing attack? I think they can, and I don't think that passing attack is explosive enough to carry Notre Dame in this game. So if Clemson's holding Notre Dame, I think at worst to mid-20s or even less, I think they could be held in the teens. I really like Clemson's chances of covering on the road. I wish this line was at 2.5, not 3.5, but I'm willing to still lock it up. I'm going to take the Clemson Tigers minus 3.5 points on the ATS Pick'em over on CBS Sports. Okay. Uh, this is one that I, I've been able to look into a little bit and hit on some of the same things that you've already mentioned, but I'm going to talk about it on the confidence side of things. So I'm going to wait and hold off on talking about this Clemson Notre Dame matchup just a little bit. I appreciate kind of what you're throwing down and some of the stats about this game and about these teams. I'm going to hold off and share a little bit more later in this episode when it comes down to the confidence side of things. So this is going to be, I think, a fun matchup in a stadium that is going to be raucous and ready to roll in a place that is not easy to play, but where Notre Dame has been beaten, you know. But for my first against the spread pick, I am staying with my balls. <laughs> so I have not picked for them or anything on this show up until this point. Now, I think that that's something that you've talked about them a little bit, but this is a fascinating spread for me when you look at them going down to Athens. Obviously, this is going to be maybe the biggest game in Georgia history in regards to a game that they've hosted. It's going to be one versus three. I don't personally like the fact that Tennessee is number one going down there <laughs> against the reigning national championship, who's number three. But I do like this line. Georgia's currently an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I actually think Tennessee covers that line. This Tennessee team is going to score in the 30s. I don't see any defense with Hendon Hooker is healthy and playing. You've got a healthy Cedric Tillman now. You've got a Jalen Hyatt who's just absolutely in fuego. You've got an offensive line, which is one of the best in the country. Now you flip that over, you've got a defense that is slowly improving and made football Jesus look totally mediocre this past week. Feels like they're starting to figure some things out. Now, for Georgia, their offense, in my opinion, they're going to get into the 30s. And I know Kirby Smart is hard to beat when he gets that team into the 30s point-wise because their defense is pretty dang good. But I think there's some cracks in this one. I think it's a big deal that their best pass rusher, Nolan Smith, is not going to be able to play and is out for the rest of the year with the torn pec muscle. I like Tennessee to cover this eight and a half point spread. Now, I don't know that I'm fully going in and saying Tennessee's going to win this game. 
because that would feel like a lot. I may get there by Saturday, but right now I do have them covering that eight and a half point spread. You're at least testing the waters, right? Yeah, I'm praying about it. <laughs> and there's no reason that you can't say, hey, we'll look at Tennessee, we'll keep it close, maybe we'll pick the volunteers, but I'm not going to commit to it. I know how that feeling can grow deep into a week. This is only Tuesday night. You've got a number of days ahead where you can adjust the flavor of what you're spitting out on the podcast, and you're just leaving the door open to the possibility of taking your team not only to cover, but also possibly to win on the road in between the hedges. Absolutely. I've talked myself into a lot of other things, so I certainly feel like I can probably talk myself into a Tennessee win at some point this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do like to know that you have a play on this game. It's a fascinating one between the nation's number one scoring offense and the nation's number two scoring defense. Of course, that's Tennessee on the offensive side. Georgia on the defensive side. And Alan, I'm going to reserve my thoughts for the bonus pick and pod because I have a play on this game against the spread. So it'll have to be saved for those who jump on board and are paying subscribers for our Patreon account. You can join us as a team member at a $2.50 level or higher. That's as a walk-on or a team captain or whatever you want. And you can get access to those thoughts as well. So I will have a play on one side or the other coming up in our next episode. Alan, I hope you are looking forward to that. Oh, I'm certainly looking forward to that. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that one. All right. So because I am containing those thoughts for now, I'm going to jump back into the confidence pick them over on ESPN. Alan, that is because I'm touching on the Clemson-Notre Dame matchup one more time. I've already told you why I think Clemson can cover in this game. So, Alan, it would only make sense that I have confidence in the Clemson Tigers to come away with a win. It just makes sense to me. This team's offense, while not stellar, has been pretty good this year. DJ Uyunglele, Will Shipley in the backfield have been pretty good. DJ's at least protecting the ball better than a year ago. His group of wide receivers, while not stunning, has been pretty good. Antonio Williams has produced some flair as a freshman. Joseph Ngata has been solid. Bo Collins has been solid. I think the place that Clemson is actually really solid is in the tight end room. Davis Allen is a veteran who's been really good. Jake Brenningstool has jumped in, another freshman who's been really good. Clemson is a four-point favorite. That's what we look at over on ESPN.com right now. And if you were to follow the spread exclusively, you would put the Clemson Tigers at a three or a four in value on your board. But, Alan, you've already indicated your thoughts on the Georgia-Tennessee game. I'm just going to say I think there is potentially a lot of volatility on our pick board this week. That includes, I'm talking about, I think, potential blowouts, I think potential upsets. I think there's a lot of stuff on the table. But I've already highlighted why I think Notre Dame does not have a good outlook offensively in this game. Clemson has been consistent even if they haven't been great. But what I do have confidence in is Clemson just going on the road and getting a win. And in some of our even biggest spread games, I don't have a ton of confidence that the heavy favorites are going to have an absolutely great day. So I am looking at Clemson. Some people may think this is reckless, but I'm going to take the Clemson Tigers and move them all the way to the top of my board. Instead of a three or four, give me the Tigers at a 10 this week in what I think is a very volatile slate over on the ESPN Pick'em. 
Oh, my word. Now, that is a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off for you. Because, my man, I am taking that all the way down to the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> I'm moving that thing down, bro. I'm moving it down. I've got that thing like in that one to two area. And that was where I was going with this. I think this could be a game where Notre Dame keeps this way, way closer than comfort. Drew Pine has been okay, but to be quite honest with you, this was a team that just looking at same opponents, they each played Syracuse in the previous two weeks. If you look at these games, Notre Dame played Syracuse much, much, much better than Clemson did. Notre Dame beat them soundly 41-24. Yes, they found a way to block a punt and get a pick six and some of those kinds of things, but Clemson has been fortunate in some ways. They should have lost at Wake. They probably should have lost that Syracuse game. When Clemson has been faced with a tough test, with the exception of that NC State game, They've not performed particularly well this year. Notre Dame's defense is tough enough that I think that they can probably force a couple of turnovers from DJU and company. This is a team that can stop the run considerably well. It's going to be a tough night environment. I think Notre Dame does just enough where I've got them pretty close to covering, and so I'm moving them way down my board into that one-two area. Okay, I understand what you're saying. I will highlight the Syracuse game, though, for both of these teams, and I'm going to argue the exact opposite thing. I know when you look at final score, it kind of looks like Notre Dame performed better, but when I look at the details of these games, man, Clemson churned out 450 yards of offense and outgained Syracuse by over 150 yards in this game. You remember there was that long fumble return by Syracuse. Syracuse's offense did basically nothing against Clemson, and I think they were fortunate to be ahead by a big number when Clemson came digging out of that hole. And the opposite thing happened this time against Notre Dame. They got the pick six early. They got the running game going against that light defensive line that Syracuse had. And they only outgained Syracuse by about 75 yards, even with a big differential in score. So I really think about a Notre Dame game that easily could have been much, much closer than it was. And I think about a Clemson game against Syracuse that – yeah, Clemson had to dig out of a hole, but if you look at performance down to down, I feel like Clemson could have blown out Syracuse. I feel like it easily could have gone the other way. And so when you look at the general way those games played out, I feel a lot better about Clemson's performance than I do about Notre Dame's. So I'm going to look at it the opposite way. I think that Clemson stands a really good chance in this one. And like I said, you know, there's probably a lot of people who think that I'm being a little bit reckless with what I'm doing on my board, but I do think there's a lot of volatility in the games that are on our pick'em slate this week. And what I mean by that is I just think I could see a lot of different ways these games go down. And Clemson, I think, is the better team. I think they're going to prove it out. And even if you don't feel confident in moving them to the top of the board like I'm going to, I would suggest moving them into the top half easily, you know, up around a six, a seven, an eight, something like that. Because I think they go on the road and I think they win this game something like eight of ten times. I feel solid about it. And uh, even if it's a little close and uncomfortable, I think Clemson's the better team is going to come out on top most of the time. Let the games begin, my friend. All right, Alan, anything else you want to touch on before we go over to the bonus pick and pod over on Patreon? 
I don't reckon so. Let's jump into the other one. All right, Alan. Thank you so much for your time. I'm excited for the way things went down with our picks and excited to see what may happen on the other side with the bonus picking pod. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.